0: Go ahead and open your Bibles up to Proverbs chapter number four, and over the past several weeks we've been kind of between series. I like to to pick a book or a topic and kind of stick with it, and it, it kind of holds me accountable. I know it's easy as a preacher to get stuck on things that just interest me or things that I get fixated on, and... Uh, if I'm not careful, I could just be preaching the same thing over and over and over and over again. Uh, I've seen, uh, not to be negative, i saw pastors that could take any, any passage of Scripture and read the passage and jump to their hobby horse, their favorite thing. But I like to go through by books and do uh, uh, verse by verse or uh, go through different topics and things. And that way it, it causes me to have to, to look at all of Scripture. To look at everything in there and not just fixate on the the things that uh, catch my attention or fascinate me. But over the past few weeks, we've just kind of been going through a a few different topics and um, just covering different things that have been on my heart. And over the past few weeks, what we've looked at, uh, one thing was our motives for serving the Lord. There's different reasons why people serve the Lord, and a lot of them are not really good reasons, Because the Lord, first and foremost, he wants our heart. He wants us to serve him freely, out of love, out of gratitude, uh, out of desire. And so we saw that different motives that we can have, but the motive that we should have in our living for Jesus should be love. And then after that, we looked at having balance in our lives. That uh, Kind of going back to what I said a minute ago, we can get fixated on certain things at the expense of others. Sometimes it's even good things. There can be good things that we get fixated on, but we ignore other good things, and it causes us to be imbalanced in our lives. And some people get fixated on politics and neglect other things. Some people get uh, fixated on one specific Bible doctrine and neglect others. We can even get fixated on certain uh, attributes of God. We can fixate on His love and forget about His holiness. You know, there there's imbalance in our lives oftentimes. And some people get fixated on their job and they ignore their family. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some maybe on their their family and ignore their job. Maybe some on their hobby and ignore both. And so there's different things in our lives that we can get fixated on. And it brings imbalance in our lives. And God calls for us to be balanced. Mm -hmm. Satan wants us to be imbalanced. He wants to throw us uh, off course, out of whack, however you want to say it. But God wants us to have balance in our lives. And then last week what we looked at, was comparing the Bible's definition of love with the world's definition of love. Right. And the world's definition of love is a, uh, a selfish love. Uh, the world's definition of love is what does this do for me? How do I benefit? How does this make me feel? Mm-hmm. And so it is very self-focused. And so I love that person as long as they're uh, meeting my needs and fulfilling my expectations. But as soon as they're not then I no longer love that person. And that's the world's view of love. And any relationship, it could be friendship, it could be uh, a marriage relationship, but if it is self-centered, self-focused, it is not a biblical love. Christ gives us the the ultimate example of love because he loves us selflessly. His love for us did not benefit him in any way. But instead, everything that Christ does is for our benefit. He is constantly looking out for us. And we saw in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave. And so love, whenever it is biblical love, is a sacrificial love. It is one that gives of self for the benefit of others. Mm-hmm. And so we looked at that last week. And so this week, what we're going to be doing is there's a verse or a couple verses that I reference quite often. And I had had um, different thoughts that were floating around in my mind. And Les and I got in a conversation about this verse while the kids were away at camp. We were actually able to talk with each other <laughs> while they were away at camp. And so we got in a discussion for a little bit about this verse. And I said, you know what, I want to teach on that because it actually pulls together several of these thoughts that I've been thinking. And so that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. And so we are in uh, Proverbs chapter number four. And really, I could read the entire chapter, but I'm not going to. I'm going to read one verse. And Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23. It says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In the book of Proverbs, we find most of them were written by uh, Solomon. One of the wisest men or the wisest man next to Christ that ever lived. And Solomon wrote many of these Proverbs, especially the first uh, seven or eight chapters of Proverbs, to his son. And he addressed it to his son, and he was imparting wisdom to his son to teach him how to be successful, to teach him how to be a man, to teach him how to be godly. And Proverbs is probably one of the most practical books that we find, especially in the Old Testament. And Uh, Now, I will say, as we're reading Proverbs, that uh, don't take a proverb for a promise, okay? Uh, Whenever we see Proverbs, they are uh, general sayings. It's generally, this is the way that things go. And there's exceptions to it and things. So it's not, uh, and the reason I say that, and I'm going off track, I know. But the reason I say that is oftentimes we have the the verse, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he should not depart from it, right? And it is a Proverb. And so whenever you look at a, a child that goes astray, then I, I've been guilty of in the past say, well, if that child went astray, then apparently the parent didn't train them up in the way they should go. So then it, the parent has not done their job, right? But this is a proverb and not a promise. Right. You can't say, okay, uh, I've trained them up the way they should go, and so they are going to serve the Lord for the rest of their days. But instead... Generally speaking, if you start them out young and you raise them up and train them up in the way they should go, they're not going to depart from it. But being uh, creatures with a will and with a choice, sometimes, regardless of what we've done, some of them will still go astray. Okay? And so that's just an example where we don't take a proverb and make it a promise.
1: Right.
0: Okay? Everybody on the same page? Okay. So anyway, uh, back on track here. That was just a, a little rabbit trail. We shot him when we can go back here. Okay. So uh, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, this gives us a principle for our lives, and we can't try to turn it into a promise or anything like that. Instead, it does give us a principle. It gives us something to live by, it gives us something that is going to instruct us and give us wisdom, give us understanding. And so, what it's, what it's getting down to is for us as believers, for us as Christians, Uh, we know that there is a right and a wrong way for us to live. We know that there are choices that we have in our lives. We know that some things are healthy, some things are unhealthy. But the question comes down to what do we do to be on track? What do we do to go down the right path? What are some safeguards that we can put in our lives, some principles that we can put into our lives that's going to help us go down the right path and live a life that is pleasing to God, that's going to be uh, profitable, that's going to be successful? Okay, and I believe this is a key passage, a key principle for us to start with, and to learn from it about how to have a life pleasing to God, a life that is going to be successful. Okay, one that's going to miss a lot of the the hurts and the uh, the heartaches and the wounds that we can suffer if we do not follow the principles of God's word. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think we should all want that, right? And we say we want God's will. We say that we want God's best. And so what we want to do tonight is look into this just a little bit and find out, okay, how can we make sure we're on track for that? How does this verse play into this? What does it actually mean for us to keep our heart with all diligence? And so that's where we're at tonight. And um, you all have heard me bash Disney to no end, right? My kids are sick of me talking about the whole thing with Disney, follow their heart. Uh, we watch every every Disney movie whenever they watch it. There's some point in time that they point it out and they're like, there it is.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, this this thing that they're preaching, follow your heart. Do what's what makes you happy. Do whatever pleases you. You don't have to leave mad. It's okay. Okay. But anyway. <laughs> I bash Disney. She's out of here. But anyway, uh, this is the world's perspective of it is let your heart lead you. Even back in the old uh, movie Pinocchio with Jiminy Cricket, that was one that Liz always liked. Always let your conscience be your guide, okay? We do have a conscience, and God does use the Holy Spirit to uh, move our conscience and convict us through our conscience. But whenever you watch that movie, whenever it's singing, let your conscience be your guide and all these things, if you actually follow that and you analyze it a little bit, they may say let your conscience be your guide, but what they're saying is follow your heart. Yeah. Anyone everybody watched Pinocchio? Years ago is yeah. a long time ago. <laughs> See, I've still got kids I, that are young so but yeah, it's this whole thing let your conscience be your guide and they're equating the heart and the conscience with one another. Mm-hmm. And so if you feel that it's right, if you feel that it's wrong, and that goes back to heart.
1: Mm-hmm. Right?
0: And so anyway, we have all of these things in our lives, uh, all of these things that society are placing on us, uh, giving us really bad direction. Mm -hmm. And it is hammered into us, preaching into us for a long time. But what we have to bring ourselves back to is the truth of God's Word. Because the things that they are preaching don't line up with Scripture. We need to discard those and follow God's Word. And so what I want to do tonight as we look at this passage to keep our heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life, Uh, I want to go through just a few different things here to help us out to see what it means to keep our heart with all diligence. I think there's two different things that people use, uh, I guess I could say incorrectly, when it comes to this idea of keeping our heart. Uh, one, One method, one thought on it, is we will master ourselves a bunch of rules. We'll have a list. A lot of times this is, this is common in religion. So if we are to be guarding our heart, if we are to be walking on the right path, then I'm going to have a checklist of sorts. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go down through and I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And all these different things. And say, if I can just keep this list. And it turns out to be almost like a, uh, a high wire act. We're going along the mm-hmm. tight rope. Yeah. And it becomes something that is... Um, mechanical becomes something that is tedious, and God doesn't intend our relationship with him to be a checklist. It doesn't intend our relationship with him to be mechanical and tedious, okay? And then the other side of that, you could call these the two ditches, like I often refer to, right? The other side of that relies on platitudes and generalizations, okay? They are very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I know you guys don't know, but anyway, uh, with these things, it's, uh, well, just follow the Spirit, right? Generalize. how do you do that? You ask 10 people, you get 10 different answers, right? Just a generalization, it's very vague, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, follow God. Okay, well, how do I do that? keep this list of rules we went to the other side
2: right, <laughs>
0: right? Uh, read your Bible and pray okay is there anything wrong with any of those things no, no there's nothing wrong with them but oftentimes it's vague, right yeah. you can read your Bible through ten times in a year and if you're not doing it with the right heart yeah. not doing it for the right reasons you're probably not going to get a whole lot out of it Right. You can recite prayer after prayer after prayer, but you need to have the right motivation, the right heart behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking with I was talking with Bruno one Sunday, and uh, we were talking about prayers and prayer lists and things and how they can become mechanical and we're just going through the motions and whatnot and how prayer lists are good as a reminder to help us to I uh, pray for folks, but rather than just saying the name by repetition saying the name and being general about it, then it should be okay, I've got Peter on my prayer list, and that reminds me to pray for different situations in his life with his family, with these kids, with these immigration, with all these different things, right? And so yeah, Peter's on my prayer list, but then that leads me to pray about all these other things. Got Mary on the prayer list and I pray about different situations in her life. And so it's not just okay, pray for Peter, Mary, Amory and uh, you know, right? Yeah. And so anyway, I'm just, I'm chasing rabbits everywhere. But um, you have these two different ways of looking at it and say, either I'm going to give these vague generalizations and platitudes out and it leaves you scratching your head saying, well, how do I actually apply that? How do I actually do that? Give me some nuts and bolts here, right? Mm -hmm. Or we can skip all the nuts and bolts and just say, well, just do this list and you'll be all right. But neither of them develop a good and sincere and... Uh, working relationship with God, right? And so, whenever we come down to this verse that we are at, I think it does get down to the nuts and bolts of what we need to do, and it helps us to figure out uh, that there are things that we things that we can do in our lives that is going to cultivate that relationship and keep us on the right track. And so, I want to go ahead and get into this because um, whatever it tells us here. We guard our hearts. It lets us know we're going to have good results if we do. Right. But once again, how do we guard our hearts? I don't want to just let that be a platitude or a generalization, right? right. And before we can look into actual principles on this, I think the first thing that we have to do, there have to be certain acknowledgments or certain prerequisites before we can follow our heart. And that's the, the foundation. That's the start to this journey. And so for us to follow the Lord, for us to... Uh, be walking on the right path, for our heart to be going in the right direction, for our life to be going the right direction, we need to start out by first and foremost believing that, Uh, go ahead and turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, hopefully I haven't lost you guys yet, i rambled just a little bit. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. We've already talked about we want to please God, right? Mm -hmm. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And So we want the rewards of following him, right? Mm -hmm. And it says we have to believe that he is, that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so our first acknowledgement, our first prerequisite in this is that we need to believe that all things are of God and for God. He is the source. He is the sustainer, right? And the reason why this is important is because what you believe is going to determine what you do, right? And so for the world, they believe that this life is all there is. They believe that they are the highest power, oftentimes, especially through the world that we have today, the post-Christian world that we have today. And so their philosophy and what they're going to do and the direction they're going to allow their heart to go is toward whatever pleases them. That's why the philosophy of follow your heart comes in, right? Right. Because your heart is going to go after whatever brings it the most immediate pleasure and gratification. And so the world says, you are God, you live to please yourself, do whatever makes you feel good, do whatever you think is right, and who cares what everybody else says, right? Or you might, for your sake of comfort, cower a little bit to what everybody else says, but it's going to say, go with the flow, go with uh, what everybody else thinks that you should be doing. And so it's either you're going to be following yourself or you're going to be following society, but neither of them are going to be following God. So you have to determine who is the authority. Is it me? Is it society? Is it God? So if we believe that he is, and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, so God is God. I am not. God is the one that created all things. He's the one that gave me life and breath and being. I exist because of him, and I exist for his glory. Right? And so now I'm no longer living for me. I'm no longer living for myself. Uh, In Romans chapter 14, verse seven and eight, it says that no man liveth unto himself, no man dieth to himself. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's,
1: Mm -hmm. right?
0: And so with that, we find that we belong to him. He is the one that, uh, it keeps us going. He is the one that deserves our honor, our praise, and all these things. And so that's going to set our priorities right. So we've got to be seeking after God first and foremost. Uh, the second thing we see is that we have to believe that his word is true and right and good, right? Because there has to be, as I said, an authority. There has to be something that we can come back to, something that is more stable, something that is more solid, something more foundational than our heart or society's leanings or the the beliefs of the, the, the current administration or whatever's going on, we've got to have something more firm than that. And we say, okay, God is the one who's in charge. His word is true and solid and accurate. It is unchanging. I can base my life on it. And then the third thing that I have here is that we must, before we can ever attempt to live our lives for God, have our hearts set in the right direction, going the right way, building our lives in a way that pleases God and that's good for us. So we have to believe God is. We have to believe his word is good, right, and true. And we have to believe that his way and his will is good and it's right. Okay? So those are three things. God's in control. I want to please him. His word is true. I can understand how to please him. His will is good. I should want to do it. Simple enough? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so that is some things we have to acknowledge, some of the prerequisites, because if we don't have those, who cares what you do? Right? But as Christians, these should be our foundational things. These should be the very first things in our lives. And so uh, you want to serve God. You believe His Word, and you want His will. And so that is our acknowledgement. The second thing is the importance of guarding our hearts. Why is it important that we guard our hearts? You want to take a stab at it? Or have I lost everybody already?
3: Right.
0: Okay, the heart is deceitful. Okay?
3: we into trouble Okay. The Very the
0: so Very much
3: right? Things that are wrong that we're going to scriptures so heart is most of the time i don't know that's from experience yes from otherwise i'm speaking from the experience most of the time okay maybe i, I may be wrong to distinguish heart and 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 mind but i, I guess they go, they, go they go together they go together yes but most of the time they had desire things that
0: mm-hmm. are not for god right yes and oftentimes the things that it desires are even not for you they're harmful to you. Yes. Right? I'll go back and bash Disney movie again, right? Every Disney movie. Follow your heart, they follow their heart, they do things that gets them in trouble. And then due to the wonders of storytelling and animation, they can make it turn out fine. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? <laughs> Doesn't happen in real life. Not- The parents try to guide their children, tell their daughters, this isn't good, this isn't healthy for you. And they say, but daddy, I want to do it anyway. And they go off on their own. How often does that work out well? Mm -hmm. 16 year old girl go chasing after some guy that she's never even had a conversation with yet, but he's good looking. And I'm thinking of Little Mermaid, by the way.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And so she goes after him. That's Disney. <laughs> Disney All is. Disney is, yeah. And so the Little Mermaid, her dad says, uh, "Don't do this. Don't go after the human. You're a fish."
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. You can't deny his logic. He may not have went around it the best way, but you know his wife was dead. It was Disney. Yeah. The wife is supposed to be the emotional and soft side of it. The guy, the rational, the harder side of it. And so he didn't have that to knock off the rough edges. He was right. But he may not have been tender enough in the way he was presenting it to his darling girl. Yeah. But anyway, we're not here to analyze everything about a Little moment. <laughs> but the the idea of the story was she went off, did her own thing, got in trouble for a little while, but in the end of it, everyone lived happily ever after. But real life version of that ends in abuse and drug addiction, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe trafficking. 16-year-old girl goes chasing after a guy. Isn't that what happens? If you go down to Dublin, you can probably find several of them. That played out the Little Mermaid story and found out it wasn't true. But anyway, that's what happens with our heart. So it's important that we don't let our heart to be our guide. Uh, Our heart needs to be led. It doesn't need to be our guide. Uh, but the Bible says in this verse that we've read several times already, uh, that out of it are the issues of life. So it says that the heart is the source. And from that source, from the heart, comes all of the things that come together to make our lives what they are.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay? And so all of the decisions that we make all the desires that we have, the direction that our life goes in is determined by the condition of our heart. Right. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Okay? And so that, with what Peter said a minute ago, it ties the mind and the heart together. He's thinking with his heart. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's what ends up happening is that we put our heart in the driver's seat We set our brain aside, and our heart does our thinking for us, right? But as a man thinketh in his heart, so is it. So whenever your heart is desiring the wrong things, seeking after the wrong things, and it's leading you in the wrong direction, it's going to end up destroying your life. And so as I said, our desires, decisions, directions are a a result of the condition of our heart. As Peter said there a moment ago, Jeremiah 17 and 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so if our heart is left to itself, our desires, our directions, our decisions are going to be disastrous. And the Bible warns us of that. And if you think that you're going to do otherwise, letting your heart be your guide, then refer back to our first point of what it says about the Bible. If the Bible is truthful and accurate, authoritative for us, then the Bible tells you that you are wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That your heart is not something that you're going to be able to trust and follow, but instead it's something that you're going to have to intentionally lead. Yeah. Okay? And so this is just kind of a little bit of groundwork for us. So we saw a few things we had to acknowledge ahead of time. We saw why it is important that we uh, guard our hearts, because if we don't, if we let it be in charge, if we let it be... Uh, the one that's leading us instead of us leading it, it will lead us down dark paths. It will lead us to dangers and destructions because that is the way the heart that is bent, it is corrupted, Mm -hmm. okay? And so the third thing that we're at here, and this is where we'll, we'll park and spend just a little bit more time, is that our heart must be guarded, okay? That shouldn't be a surprise. We've been talking about it already, right? And so it says, guard your heart with all diligence. What does it mean to guard your heart? To protect it, okay? Fight it. It's like, to end this, no, you're not going to hear it. I'm sorry. No, you're right. And so in the the verse that we've been reading, the word that's actually used is keep your heart. Mm -hmm. And for those who was here for Sunday school on Sunday, I think everybody was, that uh, in... uh, I have it written down somewhere. I don't see it there. Anyway... No, Acts chapter 12 and verse 4. The word keep is used of the the 16 soldiers that were assigned to guard Peter. They were to keep him with all safety. Okay? And so they were surrounding him, basically. They were chained to him. They were at the gate. And they were making sure that he didn't get out of control and that no one else got to him because there were plenty of people in the church that would have loved to see him delivered, right? Right. Uh, it's also used as uh, protecting a city, one that may be under siege or one that has enemies. And so there's a uh, an assumption with this word keep that there is an enemy that is on the attack. And so you can imagine a uh, a medieval city or town or village that has the walls that are built around it, has the gates and the bars and all that, and they are constantly setting watches and they are keeping that city so that the enemy doesn't come against it so the enemy doesn't attack it because they know that if the city get or excuse me if the enemy gets past them gets past the walls that the enemy is going to wreak havoc and cause destruction on the city and all of its inhabitants
1: mm-hmm.
0: right so if we are to keep our heart we have to realize that there is an enemy seeking to attack our heart and that if we sleep on the job, if we don't keep watch, that the enemy will get in and he will wreak havoc in our lives. He will destroy our hearts. Mm-hmm. That goes back to what the Lord says about the devil that as a roaring lion, he goeth about seeking whom he may devour. Right. And so if you are not guarding your heart, if you are not keeping your heart, you're going to be the one that he devours. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so that makes it a little bit more important to us, right? We already talked about the importance of guarding our heart, but that makes it a little bit more uh, imperative for us, something we should take a little bit more seriously. And so it's not something that we can, uh, as I said, not something we can take lightly and think that everything's going to go fine for us if we are just kind of uh, wishy-washy about it and just going about life, letting things come as they will, Right. And so that brings about another verse that I often refer to. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Right? So this idea of walking circumspectly means that you are at attention, that you are alert, that you are uh, aware of what's going on around you. I've uh, illustrated this before about the person that was so engrossed in their cell phone they fell into the fountain in the the shopping mall. Okay? They weren't walking circumspectly. They weren't paying attention to what was going on around them. Back to this idea of keeping or guarding, the soldiers must be circumspect. They must be keeping an eye on the horizon, looking out for the enemy before he ever comes near so they can be prepared before his attack, right? And so for us, we are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. We are not to be just going through life and letting it happen but instead, as Christians, aware of God's word, aware of God's will, aware of his presence and his purpose for us, then we are plugged into what he's doing and saying, okay, I've got to be on alert. I've got to be awake. I've got to be paying attention to what's going on, or else the enemy is going to come and cause hardship and troubles in my life. Something I could compare this to is as a parent, okay, okay? This is especially, it rings especially true as a parent. So my girls, sorry, you'll, you'll understand this one of these days, mm-hmm. okay? But for right now, you probably don't. But as a parent, we always have to be on guard. Yes. We have to be watching out because we understand that the world which we live in, the society which we live in, has multitudes of dangers that our children could fall into, and we don't want to see them destroyed. We don't want to see their lives in ruin. We don't want to be the there one of these days consoling them and comforting them when their life is completely falling apart by something that could have been prevented. Because right. life is going to have enough heartaches without those things. Yeah. But bringing that back down to a personal level, in our own personal lives, there are lots of heartaches, a lot of hardships that could be prevented if we are walking circumspectly and keeping our heart with all diligence, right? And so there's not a place to slumber or sleep. There's not a place to let down our guards. But instead, we are aware of the things around us that can cause uh, can cause these difficulties in our lives. And that's some of the things that I want to look at tonight. Um, and so we are to be watchful for the things that deceive, the things that mislead, the things that corrupt. And so what do you guys think are the most, uh, the most dangerous things for Christians to be on guard against? What are the things that are most likely to lead your heart astray or to corrupt your heart or to cause it to want to go away from the things of God? In a way, yes, but there's some general things that we could look at. Friends. Okay, friends, music, yeah. What? Okay. So the, so the pursuit of riches, right? Nothing wrong with money, nothing wrong with having money, but there is something wrong with money having you.
1: Right?
0: Okay. Uh, I forget where it's at in Scripture. I believe it's in Proverbs. Maybe it's in... Ecclesiastes, but it it says for the Lord to give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me that which is su- sufficient for the day. Because he basically he says that if I am in poverty, then I will resort to stealing, and it will be uh, a sin against my God. But if I have riches, then I'll become complacent and I will cease seeking my God. Right. So yeah, or some other things. Okay, so what was the exact
2: question again?
0: I don't know if there was an exact question. Mm -hmm. Things that are dangerous for us, things that we have to guard ourselves against because they will uh, corrupt our heart or deceive our heart will lead it astray. Negativity. Okay.
2: Sometimes books can do it.
0: Okay. So you said books, you said music, and so that's going to be the things that we're consuming, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It can be music, it can be books, it can be uh, movies, it can be radio, television.
3: Government. Oh, yeah. Any pastime takes up more time okay. than it should. Yeah.
0: Okay. So that comes back to the whole thing of being unbalanced, uh, having a wrong love, wrong priorities, right? The cell phone.
1: It's a big
0: one. Unfortunately.
1: <laughs>
0: Addictions, right? Mm-hmm. Anything that takes over our heart. Uh, yes. What is it? Drugs. Drugs. Uh, I think as Apostle Paul says, all things are lawful for me but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. Mm -hmm. So Paul says, I'm going to draw the line. This is him guarding his heart, right? And he says, you know, uh, there are plenty of things that are perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with them until they start controlling me. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so whenever I'm brought under their power, whenever they begin to control me, when they begin to lead me instead of me leading myself, leading my heart, then that becomes a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And so anyway, um, we need to be watchful. Um, one of the things that I have written down here is iniquity, sin. Sin of any sort. Because we're going to look here in a minute, it's not all things that are sinful that's going to mislead us or lead us astray.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But sin in our lives are is going to cause us to have a wall between us and God. Mm-hmm. It's going to cause us to lose a taste for the things of God. It's going to grieve God's Holy Spirit that dwells within us. It's going to cause us to not be able to uh, perceive His leading, His guiding, His directing in our lives. Uh, the Bible tells us that if I regard iniquity in my heart, then He's not going to hear me. He's not going to hear my prayers, right? Mm-hmm. And so whenever we start living in a condition of sin, whenever we start allowing sin to reign in our bodies, whenever we start allowing it to have control over us, and I'm not saying that uh, that you're going to be able to live sinlessly because the Bible says if, if any man says that he has no sin, he lies, he deceives himself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it also says that if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. If we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive our sins mm-hmm. and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. And so we have a way that we can be cleansed. We have a way that we can put that out. But this idea of iniquity means a sin that we are living in, a sin that we are courting, a sin that we are allowing to continue on in our lives undealt with. And so whenever we allow these sins, and that would be some of the things that we talked about with like addiction, and whenever there is greed, and whenever there is lust, and whenever there's all these different things that we know is sin, whenever those things are reigning in our lives, Whenever they have control in our lives, then we are allowing iniquity into our lives that is going to uh, prevent us from being able to follow the Lord. And so those things went over our heart. Those things get a hold of our heart. Those things lead our heart and are going to lead us away from God, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the sins that I think are maybe the most detrimental to a Christian, to our because we're not going to go out and have a drug addiction and be gambling and all that kind of stuff, typically, right? Okay. But what about uh, what about bitterness? Oh yeah, uh-huh. Does bitterness affect your heart?
1: Yes.
0: Does it make it hard? Yes. It does uh, bitterness, unforgiveness, greed, lust, envy? those kind of things, whenever they are abiding in our lives, they are going to keep us from abiding with the Lord, right? And so if we are to guard our hearts, we are to be constantly at attention and evaluating our lives, evaluating our hearts. And now this isn't necessarily a time-consuming thing, but as we're going through our lives, we need to say, okay, how's my walk with God? What's the condition of my heart? What kind of things are affecting me or making me unaffected, right? Am I allowing these things to get in my life and come between me and God? And if I am, then I need to deal with them speedily. That's part of guarding our heart, because Satan does send his fiery darts against us, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we need to be on the, aware of those. We need to be on guard of those so that whenever they come, that we are able to quench them before they burn us down, right? And so we're paying attention to these things in our lives and keeping them away from us. And so um, <clears throat> so we need to make sure that we are, as has been said before, we we keep short accounts with God. Because if we allow those things to build up in our lives, then we are unable to guard our hearts. And instead of keeping a wall between us and and the enemy, we have a wall between us and our Savior. Okay? I
2: was just looking up here. Okay. Synonyms for keep. Okay. And when I read this verse... And I know we've talked about this a little bit, but when I read this verse and I think of keep your heart,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I know we were just naming all kinds of things that could consume us or cause us not to guard our hearts,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: some of the words that came up that just naturally come up to me mm-hmm. are control, preserve, reserve, mm-hmm. um, withhold. Mm-hmm and hold back. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that right? Yeah. Okay, well, the reason I think that is because when I think of keeping my heart, I hope I'm not getting ahead of you. Maybe, maybe not. (laughs) When I think of keeping my heart, I feel like, just as a background, for some reason the Lord has given me this verse this year for my life. And we have been talking about it a lot because i still feel like i'm trying to figure out what god has for it in this verse for me i'm just stuck on it for some reason mm-hmm. and so those words withhold and reserve and preserve and are just in me and i keep th- i keep trying to find out you know what are my priorities in life mm-hmm. and what do i need to get rid of to keep and guard my heart mm-hmm. And there's a couple of things, you know, that have come to mind, but I still feel like I don't grasp the concept God has for me in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just trying to look that up, thinking of words, maybe something will click. I don't know mm-hmm. if any of that makes sense. Yeah. But that's just kind of where I'm at with it.
0: Well, one of the things, whatever you said to uh, keep back or to withhold, the, the image that came into my mind mm-hmm. was um, was whenever you are trying to walk a large dog. You can relate yeah. to, right? Wrong <laughs>
1: car. Okay.
0: But whenever, okay, you have large dogs. And yeah. so whenever you take them for a walk, mm-hmm. then you are having to hold them back. Mm-hmm. We were uh, at Dairy Castle one day, and there was a lady walking this. Well, there was a lady being walked by this huge dog.
1: Yeah.
0: She was not in control. The dog was. Yeah. And so we were watching her being drugged through the woods. And we're like, yeah, the dog is walking her, yeah, walk. she's not walking the dog. Right. And so what we're looking at here is, is the dog walking you or are you walking the dog? Is your heart leading you or are you guiding your heart, right?
3: In both cases, if the dog is walking the owner and the heart is you know, not being kept, right. we're talking mm-hmm. it talks about a very precarious situation that could end up.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay, and so as you're saying that, okay, I'm just I'm I'm saying that what's coming in my mind, okay? So if it's wrong, tell me. But okay, so you said a precarious situation. Your dog's walking you. Yeah. One of the one of the biggest dangers in that is who's it going to hurt. Right? If our heart is walking us, if it's the one in charge, you are in danger of being hurt as well as anybody around right. you. Right. And we hurt lots of people whenever we allow our heart to be in the driver's seat. Whenever we're not keeping it in check with God's word and when we're not keeping it in check with the truth and things like that. And so we have to be diligent. We have to be always on guard because the consequences of not doing so are much greater than what we want to have to bear. Right? right. (laughs) And so... I don't know if I'll get to it to I don't know if I'll help you any on what you're you're looking for. We can continue on that later. I don't know. But okay. So with our sins are different things that we allow into our lives that go contrary to scripture, we are deciding that these things are more important to me than God and God's word. Mm-hmm. And so we are doing away with those things that we acknowledge at the beginning. Yeah, God's in charge. I need to live a life pleasing to him. But right now I'm gonna do what I want to do yeah, God's word's true, it's right, but I think I can live contrary to its principles and get by okay. We're deceiving ourselves. Okay? And so whenever we are going against God's word, going against the things that he says in his scripture, then we are on a crash course with destruction because uh, we are allowing our heart to get ahead of us. Yeah. Right? Uh, another thing and this is, it goes along with some of the things that was brought up, is our interactions is going to be something that is going to lead us astray. The different people that we come in contact with is going to have an effect on our heart. Mm -hmm. The old saying goes, bad company corrupts good manners. Mm -hmm. Right? And so that, really a biblical version of that, Proverbs 27, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 19, it says, As in water, face answereth to face, so the heart of man to man. Okay, and you say, Well, what does that mean? (laughs) If you look into water, you see your reflection. Yeah. You are able to clearly see who you are in your reflection. You're clearly able to see who a man is by the people that he is around.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. Okay. And so, if I can look at the crowd that you run with, it's going to tell me a lot about your character.
1: Exactly.
0: And so, it goes back to the saying that uh, show me your friends, and I will show you who you are or who you will soon become. Okay? And so, our interactions, the people that we surround ourselves with, the people that we listen to, the people that we accept counsel from, right? All of these things. If we are going the wrong direction, if we are following the wrong people, if we are surrounding ourselves, as well said there a little bit ago, with negativity,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah. If we surround ourselves with people who are running about to do wicked, if we uh, surround ourselves by people who care not about the things of God, then it's not going to be too long before we are caring more about what they think than what God thinks, right? Mm-hmm. And so the Bible tells us a lot about it, and I've got a lot of passages written down. I'm not going to go through them all. Uh, but let me look here if you want to write these down and look at them later Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 uh, iron sharpeneth iron so a man sharpeneth countenance of his friends that's talking about positive effects of the people we surround ourselves with uh, Proverbs 13 20 companion of fools will be brought to destruction uh, that's not an exact quote but I'm, I'm Tony, so you kind of know what we're looking at. Uh, Proverbs chapter 24, uh, verse 21 through 22, meddle not with them that are given to change. And what it's talking about there is people who are uh, constantly bouncing around from one thing to another. They have no anchor point. They are not cons- concerned with the things of God, but they're just going about with, going with the flow wherever the world leads them to. If you surround yourself by them, they are going to pull you off in all different directions. Just like a ship without a rudder. Uh, okay, a couple of them that are uh, very important in this. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14, familiar passage of scripture. Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. Right? Mm-hmm. And we always equate that to uh, romantic relationships. Christian, don't marry an unchristian or an unsafe person, right? But it doesn't say that. It doesn't narrow it down that far. Yes, it includes that. But whenever it says, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers, to be yoked means to be uh, connected to in a way where you are forced to go the direction that they're going. Right? To be bonded, committed in some way. And so if my life in some way is connected to another person's life, that is not following God, and they are going in an errant way, then they are going to drag me aside with them. Many people have said, okay, well, I can have this relationship with this person and I'm going to draw them toward God. generally doesn't happen. It usually goes the opposite direction. And so God warns us not to be unequally yoked. Does that mean that we can't be friends with unbelievers? No. No. By no means does it mean that. But it is that commitment, it is that connection. If you are yoked together like uh, two animals, two oxen together, wherever the one goes, the other one has to follow. If you are in that sort of relationship with anyone who is an unbeliever, they are going to drag you away from God. Mm-hmm. Another passage that says the same thing is Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Okay. Now, I've heard people take this to the extreme and say, you have to agree with me on everything or we can't be friends. Mm -hmm. I don't even agree with myself on everything. (laughs) Okay? But what this is talking about, can we walk together unless we're going the same direction? That'd be a simple way to put it, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm going north and you're going south, can we walk together? Mm -hmm. So if you are seeking after God and they are not, can you walk together? Mm -hmm. Okay? So you need to be making sure that those that are having an influence and an effect on your life are going the same direction that you're wanting to go. And so if you look around your life and you've surrounded yourselves by people who are influencing you, by people who are dragging you along with them, and they are not going in a direction that is pleasing to God, they are not going in a direction that's going to lead you closer to Him, then you've got a problem, right? And so you haven't been... Guarding your heart, you haven't been keeping your heart. You've allowed people who are ungodly to have your heart and lead it away from God. Okay, and so that brings us to the third thing we saw: uh, iniquity interactions. See, I, I've got to alliterate this, okay, guys? I don't want to. I don't want to uh, limit it just because of that. But the third thing that we have is entertainment, and this is what Emily was getting at. Because the things that we put before our eyes and the things that we pump in our ears and the things that we focus our minds on that has our minds constantly, it's going to affect our heart. Okay, And so if our minds are constantly consumed by rubbish, then our heart is going to have an affinity toward rubbish and we're going to have a hard time getting that thing in control. Uh, This might be a sore subject. I hate to bring this up. But it's much the same as our appetites for food.
1: Yes.
0: Because the things that we start consuming is the things that we have an appetite for. Exactly. And whenever we have an appetite, that is a fleshly desire, that is something that we want to fulfill, and we get appetites for the wrong things. Yeah. And that makes us fat whenever it comes to food, right? Right. But what happens, it's even worse whenever it comes to the things that we are consuming <coughs> that comes to our mind instead <coughs> of to our stomach. Mm-hmm. Right? And so there's many different cautions throughout Scripture that deal with what we are subjecting ourselves to. And we can see in um, Psalm 101, verse 3, it says, I'll set no wicked thing before my eyes. So he has made a decision. He says, I'm not going to allow this. I'm going to guard against this. I will not set any wicked thing before my eyes. Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 is talking about Lot whenever he's in Sodom and Gomorrah. And it talks about his uh, just soul being vexed by the filthy communications of the wicked, by the things that he heard and he saw daily. He could not get out of his mind and it affected his heart. And then we see the result that it had for his wife and for his children. Right In the world that we have today, it produces plenty of rubbish that it tries to pump into our eyes and our ears constantly. And so we have to be on guard. We have to be standing by and knowing, uh, for instance, with the television, when to turn it off. When it comes to music, when to change the song. When it comes to conversations, when to step out of them. When it comes to thoughts inside of our mind, when to stop them. Because a lot of times it is even in our heads. And we start ruminating on ideas and on thoughts and all these different things. We become consumed by them. And in order to keep our hearts, we have to know how to control our heart. We have to control our mind. We have to control what's influencing our heart and our mind. And sometimes that's even all within ourselves because sometimes we ourselves are our worst enemy. Because we allow thoughts to linger for too long. We allow offenses to stay for too long we start blowing up problems in our mind. We turn a, a molehill into a mountain right. inside of our heads, and it troubles our heart. It brings up bitterness. It brings up uh, uh, anger and jealousy and all these different things into our heart and into our mind, and it will cause us to do hurtful and foolish and stupid things. And so we have to keep. We have to guard We have to be constantly at attention because whether you like it or not, the heart that is within you is bent on destruction, and if you leave it to its own devices, it will lead you in all kinds of dark and dangerous places, okay? And I don't mean this to be as heavy as what it is, but I want to get this across to us that as we are wanting to serve the Lord, we want to see success in our lives, we have to be mindful of these things and say, okay, I I want to please God, I... Uh, believe His Word to be true. I want His will, His desire, because I believe that it is good and acceptable and perfect for me. And so if I want those things in my life, then I'm going to be paying attention to what's going on around me, and I'm going to be constantly uh, informed by God's Word. We'll get to that in just a minute. I'm going to be informed by God's Word, and I'm going to be saying, this is good for me, this is bad for me.
1: Yeah,
0: This is something that I should be a part of, this is something I should not be a part of. This is a person I should be around. This is a person I should not be around. This is a conversation I should have. This is a conversation I shouldn't have. This is something I should listen to. Something I shouldn't. Something I should watch. Something I should not. And so a good biblical word for this is discernment. Mm -hmm. And so we're constantly discerning. We're paying attention. Just like that guard that is up on the tower, he's watching and he sees something in the distance. Is that a threat or is it not? If it's a threat, you sound the alarm, right? And so that brings us to the last thing here in guiding our heart. There are things that we can do, things that we can, because we look at the negative, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what are things that we can bring into our lives that's going to assure that we are identifying the enemy whenever he comes along? Mm-hmm. Some things that we can place in our lives that's going to help us to not fall prey to the attacks that come our way. What are things that's going to help us in guiding our heart to the right direction? Anyone want to take a stab at? It? I may mean, not be a good words, and we're talking about hearts. <laughs> Getting into a
3: biblical sense, church is a good start.
0: Okay, so where you're surrounded by godly people and God's word, and so we can bring that back to what we looked at just a moment ago, and it's the influences around us. It's the people that we're surrounding ourselves with. Because the Bible talks about that we are to edify one another, that we are to exhort one another. The, the common verse that we go to, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, right? Everyone goes to 10, or chapter 10, 25, uh, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, but 10, 24 tells us why, because it's exhorting one another and provoking one another to good works, right? And so we are encouraging one another, we are helping one another to go in the right direction. And that goes back to what I said there a moment ago in Proverbs chapter 27 and 17 iron sharpens iron. Okay. So if we, we continue that little analogy there with iron sharpening iron, anyone's ever used a, a knife or some sort of a tool? among uh, a garden, there's a good example. Okay. If you're cutting the grass, there are all kinds of things that will blunt the blade and make it to where it is ineffective, right? And then you have to get it around the iron. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You have to get it to a tool that's going to sharpen it, right? Mm -hmm. And so what you are subjecting yourself to is either going to dull you or sharpen you. Who you're around is either going to dull you or sharpen you. And you have to determine which one they do. And you have to make some decisions. And some of us are people pleasers. Some of us are constantly looking out to try to surround ourselves by all of these people that suck the juice out of us, suck the life out of us, and pull us away from God. And sometimes we have to realize this isn't healthy for me. This isn't healthy for my family. This isn't healthy for my walk with God. And sometimes we have to cut those loose.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. And so we have to guide our heart. Uh, Let's look at Philippians chapter number 4 and verse 8. And this is the main one I wanted to look at with the idea of guiding our heart. Philippians 4, verse 8. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me— do and the god of peace shall be with you. And so he gives us a list of things to occupy our mind and occupy our heart with. And really you can see a great contrast between the list that he gives and the things that typically take up too much space in our mind, our heart, and our lives. For instance, any time that you go on the internet, Scroll Facebook or Instagram. Anytime you turn on the news, you listen to the radio, it is constant negativity, Mm -hmm. constantly bad things. Mm -hmm. And these are the things that command our attention. These are the things that control our mind and consume our mind. Uh, Coming out of COVID for, is that old news now? (laughs) We were inundated with it 24-7. Some of you probably dreamed about it. Okay. But whenever we look at this here, it tells us that we need to focus on things that are true. Well, where do we determine the truth? Where do we find the truth from? From Scripture, from reading the Word of God, from studying it, from searching it out, uh, from being under the teaching of it, uh, discussing it, meditating on it, right? And it's more than just a trite, well, read your Bible, it's, no, I'm going to read the Bible desiring God's will, desiring his truth, and I'm reading it determined to put in place the things that I find there, to put in my life the truths that come out of his word, right? So whatever tr- what is true, whatever is honest, it's hard to find honesty today, isn't it? That's one of the things that I have to, to intentionally withdraw myself away from a lot of things because there is no way for me to understand or validate the truthfulness of things. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Especially you start reading things on the internet, you start listening to things in news, and there's all kinds of theories and conspiracy theories and all this stuff. And they may be right, they may be wrong, but I have no way of figuring out which one is which. And if I fall down that rabbit hole too far, I'm going to be messed up in my head and my heart. So you need to be Seeking after the things you know to be true. Uh, whatsoever things are just. Something that is just is something that is right in the eyes of God, right? Something that fits His standards. And so we, we start evaluating things by what God determines is right and just and good. And that goes back to the truth as well. Uh, continuing on through this. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely, those are words that we don't really apply too much to life and society today. Pure and lovely, it's like a foreign concept, isn't it? Not going to go into those too far, but I mean, just think on them yourselves. God has given us a brain. God has given us a Bible. We can understand a lot of these things, and we can start filtering in our lives: Is this pure? Is this lovely? Is this just? Is this honest? Is this good? And if it's not, we probably shouldn't be taking too much time allowing it to take over our minds and our hearts. So if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And so this is presented to us in a way that we have a choice. We have to make a decision. There's a lot of things I could be thinking. Of, there's a lot of things that are fighting for space in my head and in my heart. But these things are going to hurt me and these things are going to be harmful to me. I need to intentionally push those things away, and think on things that are good and lovely and just, right? And so whenever we think about this idea of guarding our heart, of keeping our heart, it takes us evaluating. It, te- it takes us taking a little bit of time each day. And I think this is where it's important that we do have time each day with God, that we have a little bit of time of meditation, of introspection, some meditate, whatever it is, and get to God's Word, spend some time in prayer, and think through our condition daily and evaluate, how's things going in my life? Where is my heart at? Where is my affections at? Are my desires in line with God's Word? The ones that aren't, am I trying to bring them in line with God's Word, right? And so we're evaluating these things daily because God has given us all sorts of things to instruct us, to help us, to encourage us, to guide us, so that we are equipped to guide our hearts and to guard our hearts rather than being attacked by Satan and led by our desires. Right? And uh, I'm just thinking...
2: Mm -hmm. Um, I was just looking above. You read verse 8 and Mm 9. But you have 5 through 7. And I know that goes together. But 7 says, And the peace of God, which passeth all all understanding, shall keep your heart.
0: Very good. I didn't see that one in there.
2: And minds through Christ Jesus. So if you think... So automatically the thing that pops in my mind is what gives me peace. Mm-hmm. But if you, but go into verse eight, if you're thinking on these things, mm-hmm. it will give you peace. If you're reading yeah. your Bible, if you're praying, if you're being around the right people, mm-hmm. you will have peace. Yeah. And that verse just says the peace of God will keep your heart.
0: hmm Well, if you go back to verse six, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passeth understanding shall keep your heart. So as we are casting all of our cares on him and we're taking everything to him, then his peace is going to help us in guarding our hearts. Because whenever your heart gets disturbed, whenever it is lacking peace, it starts getting a little bit ravenous and rambunctious and out of control, doesn't it? Am I losing anyone on that? No. No. And so whenever you are lacking peace in your life, then you are a lot more prone to allow your heart to get out of control. That's whenever your imaginations become evil and excited and going in all different directions, right? That's whenever the bitterness comes in, the wrath and all those different things is whenever we don't have the peace of God, keeping our heart. Okay? There was one other thing that I was going to go in. I don't have time for it this evening. Okay? I've already went over my time, but this is a thought that I'm going to put out there, and you all can give feedback if you want, if you want me to pursue it further later on. But something I've been spending quite a bit of time on in this idea of keeping our heart is for us as Christians... Uh, we need to be uh, we need to be setting up some guidelines, some boundaries in our lives mm-hmm. that's going to assist us in keeping our hearts.
1: Yes.
0: Okay. And so we find, and I, I'm going to give you three different words. Okay. I've been talking with Les about this. Three different words, and oftentimes they are confused, misunderstood, misused. Okay. We have principles. Okay. Mm-hmm. Principles is what you find in the Bible. The Bible states something. It states a principle. Mm-hmm. We looked at one of those tonight. Uh, keep your heart with all diligence. That is a principle. Mm-hmm. We have a responsibility, right? So we have a principle. Then we have um, a conviction. Have you ever heard that word? Yeah. We have a conviction. That is something that I am convinced of based on principles of Scripture.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And then after that we have a <clears throat> excuse me we have a standard. Everybody heard that word before.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now the question: What is a standard? Standards.
3: Standard. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's a certain thing that you set, <laughs> and then you give them. Let's say, for an example. Uh, I'm trying to lose weight, mm-hmm. and then the weight will lose weight, I have to cut certain food that I can't mm-hmm. eat in order to keep my my weight in mm-hmm. check. Mm-hmm. So whatever you came across that food, just like sorry. Okay. So that's the standard you said. You said. Okay.
0: About what you're going to say? or so, Similar. I mean, I'm um, always okay. going to give the example of a code of um, dress. So, for okay. example, in certain professions, there is a dress code. Mm-hmm. There's a standard of dress that's expected,
3: and you can't
0: mm-hmm. go below that. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Or standard of behavior. So. Okay, so that would be on a in a corporate sense or whatnot. Right. And so, with that, it's something that is set because of where you're at, what you are, something that you abide by. Okay, so for a personal sense, a like a personal standard. It is something that I have uh, brought into my own life to help me to keep my convictions. Okay. Whatever. Protect it. Yeah, protect it for to keep me in check. And so these are tools that we have that help guard our heart and keep us walking right. And so uh, with what you said with uh, dress, for instance, okay, that's a hot hot button issue for yeah. for Christians, right?
1: Definitely.
0: Okay. <laughs> So if we walk it through this and this will be quick, okay? So we look for principles. What are the principles the Bible has regarding dress? I've got 3 of them. Modesty. Okay, they need to be modest. Male and Okay. Modest, gender specific. You want to take a stab with the third one. What's that? Misery. of your misery. Okay. Oh, we don't have much time, right? Okay, so I believe as far as biblical principles that we can find in Scripture that uh, that regulate the way that a Christian would dress, it needs to be modest, okay? So that means that it doesn't draw undue attention or the wrong kind of attention to ourselves, okay? doesn't just mean as far as, okay, well, you can't have your cleavage showing. It can be other things as well, right? If you are trying to draw attention to yourself, in flashy clothing, and that that would be immodest, right? Okay, so modest, gender-specific. So you need to be, uh, a man needs to look like a man, a woman needs to look like a woman. That's simple, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then the third one is, I believe as children of God, we represent God, and so we shouldn't look trashy. Or too worldly. Yeah. Okay? But with what we see in that is that everything that we find in Scripture, the things that God made, God makes things, Pleasing to the eye, He makes all things beautiful. All right. And so, if we are making ourselves intentionally look ragged or shoddy or cheap or that kind of thing, I believe that would. buy it. I mean, even the temple God had it or, or uh, ornately. ornately made and uh, clad with gold and all sorts of things. And so, I believe we're representing God. We should look nice. We should look our gender. We should be modest, okay? Those are biblical principles. So then we develop our convictions, and that's where things can change. That's where things can vary, right? So what does it mean to be modest? That might mean something different to you than it does to me. You may take it to a differing degree than what I do, okay? and But because of the principles that I see, I am determined that as a man, I'm going to look like a man, okay? That uh, I'm going to not look tacky or trashy, right? And that I am not going to draw the wrong kind of attention to myself. I need to do another lesson? So then the standard comes out, I'm going to make personal decisions. Okay, I'm going to set guidelines for myself and as a father for my household about these things, about how I'm going to make sure that I don't violate my convictions or God's principles in his word and what that's going to look like. And every person is going to develop those differently, right. but they do need to develop them personally.
2: Right. Okay? Yes.
0: And so some with different things, we can talk about entertainment, we can talk about dress, we can talk about all these different things, people are going to have different problems with different things. Right. They're going to see things a little bit differently. The things that bother Peter might not bother me, right. and so I might have to have a different standard than what he does.
2: Right.
0: Okay? I know people who their standard is that they won't go to the beach because of the women in swimsuits. Okay? And there's some people that have a problem with wandering eyes, and so, hey, they probably don't need to be at the beach. Right. Some people who do have wandering eyes or don't have wandering eyes, and they can go to the beach and enjoy God's creation without being attracted to all these other things, then, hey, have fun at the beach. Right. And this is where it becomes personal, right? right? And so we develop these personal standards based on our convictions our convictions that are based on God's principles in his word, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so as we're reading through the word of God, we're finding principles and we're determining what we believe about those principles, what that principle says to me, what God wants me to do with that principle in his word, right? Mm-hmm. And so since I've I've found this principle, God has clearly put this in his word and I believe these things firmly I'm going to set up these things in my life because I want to guard my heart. I want my direction to be uh, in a way that pleases God. I want my life to go in a way that pleases Him. I want to reap God's best. I want to reap His blessings in my life. So then I have to intentionally, purposely go about making these decisions and applying these principles, doing these things in my life, so that my heart doesn't lead me in a deceitful and destructive way. So does that make sense to anybody? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Helpful at all? Mm-hmm. Any questions or comments? Yeah, yeah.
3: Okay, just a comment. The standards and the principles you just mentioned are in the last point can Be a real bugbear for people within Christendom, as you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've come from a tradition. I know people who would say it's sinful for women to wear trousers mm-hmm. full stop because because mm-hmm. they were men's. Well, I don't wear them myself, but it's because I don't like them only. I mm-hmm. don't see it as a sinful choice because mm-hmm. they're feminine, you're they like mm-hmm. a woman and it's modest. Mm-hmm. But there are within Christendom, mm-hmm. um, there are so many different standards. Mm-hmm. And I find it quite a shame that um, some Christians will actually cut off mm-hmm. contact with you if you disagree, mm-hmm. or if you happen to be the young lady who's wearing a pair of trousers. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's just so silly.
0: It is, yes, and that's that's where we put the the distinction between a principle, a conviction, a standard, mm-hmm. and the the standards and even the convictions are personal. And so that means that they're going to vary from person to person depending on their walk with God, where they are in their walk with God, and the the things that they deal with personally as an individual and how God moves them to these different directions. And the problem that arises is whenever I expect everyone else to have the same standards, arrive at the same places is what I do. And it's going to be different based on... Uh, cultures, it's going to be a bit different based upon uh, personal needs. And uh, one of the things that I've been challenged by a lot lately is the need for us as Christians that we need to think for ourselves. Okay? We need to think for ourselves because there's been too many times that someone else does the thinking for us that we are taught to outsource our thinking. And we find, and this is something I reference a lot of times, is that the, the believers at Berea were, uh, were, what's the word? Um, commended by Paul because they didn't just accept everything he said at face value, but they checked it out themselves. They did their own thinking. And I believe that's what we need to be doing as well. But I was talking with even Les this week and the, the, the church tradition she was brought up in for a good while was one of those that they do, the, do your thinking for you. And so you don't really learn how to develop these things on your own. And so that's why this is important, why this I'm going into this. I'm well over time, but this might be another another lesson maybe for next week. I don't know. i have to look. But it is very sad whenever we look at this and we say, okay, well, I have to do these things to protect myself, my family, my heart. And so Peter has to too. And then it becomes an idea of conformity and everybody has to see things the same way. And that becomes toxic. And then that goes back into the whole rulemaking thing. So I make up all the rules. Now I can go back to what you were saying earlier with like a corporate environment. If you're working a job, they have a, a dress code. Okay, well, that's for... A place and a time, right? And so for individual Christians, there's no place for that. Now, you know, if the church had a staff, had lots of people on staff, there may be a dress code for that. And that would be normal. You come to work, you have certain standards and guidelines to go by, right? But anyway, I'm just off on a tangent at the moment with that. Think? It's something
3: that we need to be careful with because, is, as I said, I know people who are very much against <clears throat> women wearing trousers, and, and they would be mm-hmm. upset at little things. Mm-hmm. And yet, there are Christians, and I recognise that, mm-hmm. and I, I value them in the Lord. So we make a point of, well, when we're visiting them, oh, I'm going wear trousers anyway, but Abigail, you mm-hmm. know, that mm-hmm. it's offends them, so don't do it. Yeah, you know, and so that comes
0: to I think Romans chapter twelve, I believe. And so it it starts talking about not offending others by the things that we allow. And that's just part of charity as Christians. We pay attention and say, okay, well, that may not bother me, but it bothers them, so I'm not going to do it around them. And that goes back to Christian love that I'm going to put them before me. But I don't think it should be a thing of fear. Whenever we get around other believers of, well, I can't do this, or they're going to be mad at me, or they're going to think I'm unsaved right? Yeah. But too often it does get that way, right? And So that's why I'm bringing this out. I want us to have these kind of discussions because I want us to have a healthy Christianity. I want us to have a healthy relationship with God because ultimately as believers uh, and as a church, I want this to be uh, not something that we have to do, something we get to do. I want us to love God. I want to love serving him. I want to enjoy serving him rather than it being horrible and oppressive and bad but instead say, the Christian life is a good thing. The principles of God's word are good. This is the way to joy. This is the way to happiness. This is the way to success. And why wouldn't we want that? So God's warning us all these different things. I'm going to stay away from those things. I'm going to make decisions in my life. I'm going to guard my heart and I'm going to determine what is it that God wants for me to do from his word in my life so that I can be guiding my heart, guarding my heart, not being led by. It. Anyway, with that, I better, I better stop. See, so yeah, I've got this thing recording in front of me, and I start looking at how long it's been. I'm like, oh man, I want to upload this on the website. People's gonna say, my goodness, that guy's long winded. Yes, yes, he is. But anyway, uh, let's go ahead and we'll go to the word of prayer. Maybe this will be a discussion for a different day. We'll see. Dear Lord, we come to you today, thank you for your blessings, and we thank you for all that you do for us, and thank you for loving us, and for taking care of us, we thank you for your word, and Lord, we just pray so much, Lord, we know that your word and your way is good, we want to live our lives pleasing to you, help us to be aware of the dangers that's out there in this world, and help us to be diligent in uh, in paying attention to the things that we're allowing to affect us, allowing into our lives, Lord, that we're guarding our heart so that we can experience your best, that we can experience your will and your blessings. And Lord we just thank you so much for all that you do and all these we pray in Jesus name
1: Amen